welcome to the Matt Hackafee podcast. I'm Adam. And I am Andrew. And uh, today we were going to go over different draft strategies that you might employ going into drafts and looking at what those draft strategies turn out to be, what your team looks like at the end. So really the overarching strategies we wanted to talk about today uh, were one, a balanced approach. Um, so looking at taking kind of a different slew of positions to balance out your roster. Um, two would be a running back heavy approach. So taking at least three of your first four picks being um, running backs and then a RB zero approach, which would be taking at least three of your first four picks as wide receivers or a tight end possibly in there as well. And then just looking at what your um, results would uh, turn out as. And then another kind of approach we also wanted to put in there was also taking early quarterback. So taking one of those top two guys like Lamar Jackson or Patrick Mahomes and just seeing what your team would turn out like if you took one of those positions um, with your probably your second round pick. So don't guys do not spend your first round pick on a quarterback. That is just absolute, absolute no, no. Unless you're, you're in our league. Unless you're in our league, then I can, yeah. Then please do. <laughs> absolutely. Absolutely. Please do that. Please take that with your 1-1 one, one overall. But anyway, so Andrew, what are your thoughts? Yeah, I think this is going to be good. Um, and a lot of this is going to depend on where you are in your draft order. Some strategies work out better um, for some positions than others. And some of it also depends on um, who you're targeting in your draft. And, um, you know, kind of what your rankings of some of these guys are personally, regardless of what, you know, ESPN or Yahoo or whoever um, has them listed as. It all kind of comes down to who do you want on your team and how do you want to get your points. Um, each one of these has some advantages, some disadvantages that we'll talk about. And then we'll kind of wrap up to talk about what the remainder of your draft looks like after you get out of those first four rounds. So we will go ahead and kick it off with probably um, one of the more common approaches, I would say. And I'd say it's more common just because a lot of people go off of just whatever the next highest ranking person is, um, just kind of follow the suggested ADPs. Um, so that's probably going to lend itself to a more balanced approach. So Adam, what are you looking for when you're, when you're drafting balance? Um, when you're drafting balance, I mean, usually when you're drafting balance, um, probably your first pick in your draft is most likely going to be a, a running back, quite usually. Um, because if you're drafting balance, you want to have a top tier uh, running back, a top tier wide receiver, um, and then possibly a top tier tight end and a top tier quarterback in there. So that's four positions right there. You're wanting to try to get a top type of guy in each one of your position groups there but usually the place that you would go with that order would be running back wide receiver um tight end quarterback or you could switch around that tight end and receiver just depending on who's available um the reasoning for that is in your first round that's when all your top tier uh running backs are available or would be available round two would be you still have a lot of those wide receivers and those probably two or three top tight ends like travis kelsey or george kittle and mark andrews if you want to throw him up there um, and then you could look at a quarterback in probably rounds five or six or seven in there. So that's kind of how I usually typically look at a balanced approach. How about you, Andrew? Yeah, I'm kind of the same. Um, I'm really just looking for guys who are going to rake in points. Um, 
And for me, it depends a little bit on my strategy based on um, where I am in the draft. Usually if I'm, if I go balanced, I'm usually going to be in the top three or four positions, but typically the top three. Um, but if I'm in the number two slot, then I might draft a little bit differently than if I'm in the number one, because I'm not going to have those back-to-back picks. So I might have to prioritize a receiver over a tight end because whoever is drafting in the one spot, is going to have two picks in a row and they might grab the guy that I'm looking at. Um, so it kind of depends a little bit. I did a mock um, that Adam and I are both looking at where I drafted from the one slot. And I went running back tight end receiver to, to start out my first three rounds. Um, and then I was just grabbing the guy who was going to get me um, the most amount of points. So I had Christian McCaffrey, George Kittle, and Mike Evans were my th- first three picks to um, start out my balanced draft. Yes. Um, and then kind of uh, the second approach then that we've been talking about um, was the running back heavy approach. So that's taking um, three, at least three of your first four picks um, being uh, a running back and then your other pick could be something else in there. But out of the, um, those first four rounds, three of those would be uh, running backs. And the reasoning for this would be is um, running backs um, typically, I mean, on a team, there's usually one star running back, maybe, and only probably maybe 12 teams in the league actually have a running back that you would call a, a true running back one where they're going to give you numbers. And then if you look at consistent producers week over week, there's maybe um, 10 or seven in there that actually give you pretty, very good consistent numbers week over week over week. Um, And so um, during a a running back heavy approach, the idea is to really get those top tier running backs solidified on your roster. And then later on you can pick up wide receivers um, and there's a larger number of wide receivers um, out there on each team. Um, and so you have more potential to hit a number one wide receiver. And those wide receivers usually um, are uh, there's not they're not as consistent producers as running backs unless you're getting a top one or two wide receiver. So nailing up your consistent picks and then taking a wider range of people that you're going to be guessing on anyways would give you a better chance um, for success in the draft is that opinions approach. Um, what do you think, Andrew? Yeah, I think um, RB heavy is a great way to go about things, especially if you're kind of not going to get the elite running backs or, or uh, wide receivers when it swings back around to you. You're, you're pretty much guaranteed to get, you know, a top tier running back in the first round, but by the time it swings back around, um, you know, the, those top tier receivers are gone. Um, depending on how your draft goes, the top tight ends may be gone. So you're really just looking for, um, you know, a lot of points in that position or, you know, for, for your team. So grabbing a running back is a great option for when it swings back around because running backs, um, especially, especially in a PPR league, are your main point getters. Uh, No ifs, ands, or buts about it. They are going to be the guys who carry your team. Um, You know, just look at a person like Austin Eckler, who 
is a running back, but is also lethal catching passes. He is going to get a good mm-hmm. number of points running the ball, but also going to kind of I, – I, I wish I had looked this up ahead of time. I wonder where Eckler would have counted coming out of the backfield as a, as a receiver, like where, where his level would have been um, mm-hmm. last season in terms of receiving. Let's see. Um, so Last season, he had 108 targets, 92 receptions, not basically a thousand yards, and eight touchdowns coming out as a receiver alone. That's not counting any of his running. That's just receiving for Eckler. And that's almost probably enough to put him in the top 15 uh, wide receivers alone if you were running that, um, running him at that position. Right. So having that and then plus getting your running back points as well, that's and absolutely huge. I just ran some quick numbers. And going from the the balanced approach in this particular mock draft, the, your first three picks, which was Christian McCaffrey, George Kittle, and Mike Evans, those were my first three picks going balanced. Those three last season brought in um, – 809 points. And then going RB heavy, this person, this computer, went Alvin Kamara, Austin Eckler, <clears throat> and Chris Carson. And those brought in 697 points. So you're looking at about a 100-point swing, over one over the other, but you're doing that entirely worth running backs. So that's mm-hmm. you're looking at your RB1, RB2, and your flex are basically solved in your first three rounds. And then you can get some good receivers, like this person went, um, DK Metcalf and Stefan Diggs, who are both very respectable receivers and are going to put up good numbers to help catch you up in that points department. Yeah, absolutely. Um and so, I mean, honestly, if I was to probably give my opinion on which strategies I like the best, I like balanced and I like running back heavy. Those are the, kind of the two that I flirt around with. I probably, honestly, I would call my approach probably an, a, a balanced RB heavy. <laughs> I do value that running back position a lot. And so um, there's a lot of wide receivers that I like in the rounds five through 12, or even all the way, honestly, to the end of the draft. And let's say I was to take at least three out of my first four picks as running backs um, from rounds five through 12. If I take another four or five wide receivers, um, five, maybe six wide receivers in that range, if I hit on two of those guys and two of those guys turn out to be really, really good um, or consistent producers, um, then I have a, a really good value for where I pick those guys up. And then I know that I can rely on my running backs in that range too so it's kind of one of those kind of pick your where you like but as andrew was describing too looking at the amount of points that he was able to get from those first three picks picking a a stud guy in each of those top positions that's also a ton of um upside there as well so that's why i kind of like a mixture of the two not just doing all running backs um, in the first four picks and then going right receivers after that, you can kind of pick and choose depending on who's there. The other piece to be considered is if you have three wide, uh, wide receiver starting positions on a roster um, for you also, 
instead of having a flex that you can do a running back, tight end, wide receiver. If you have three dedicated wide receiver spots, that also bumps the value of wide receiver up in your drafts too. So it would be advisable to take one earlier. I think this year especially is going to be a good year if you decide to go um, running back heavy just because the wide receiver position is deeper in terms of talent than the running back position is this this season in particular. Like this season, you can be getting guys like uh, Terry McLaurin, DK Metcalf, Chark, Tyler Lockett, Cortland Sutton, Julian Edelman. Um, like that first group of guys I mentioned were all going in the fifth round. You have Devontae Parker, Stefan Diggs, and Will Fuller going in the sixth. C.D. Lamb, Marvin Jones, Debo Samuel going in the eighth. Brandon Cooks, Michael Gallup, Jarvis Landry are going in the seventh. Like all of those guys are starting wide receivers. You know, they may not be the number one receiver on their team, but they're starting wide receivers that are going to pull in a, a lot of points. Like wide receiver is a very deep position this year where you can find a lot of value outside of the first four rounds. Absolutely. Absolutely. I agree. And then one of the other strategies that we had talked about was the um, RB0 which is taking at least three wide receivers with your first four picks. And typically you're spending your first rounder on a wide receiver. So in this draft that we're looking at, one example was somebody at the sixth spot took Michael Thomas, and then in the second round, DeAndre Hopkins, and then in the third round, Adam Thielen. Um, and this guy's team actually, in my opinion, turned out exceptionally well because having Michael Thomas, DeAndre Hopkins, and Adam Thielen if you run in a typical league where you have two wide receivers and then a flex spot, those three guys pull in a ridiculous amount of points right there. They're all three number ones on their teams, most likely. The only question mark in there would be DeAndre Hopkins. Um, and I don't know if I would have probably taken him. Um, but um, anyway, so having those three and then this guy took his, his running backs, uh, Devin Singletary and Marlon Mack. Um, and then Duke Johnson and Tariq Cohen or other running backs that he, have, that he has on his team. That will be a lesser area for him. But let's say Devin Singletary scores around, you know, 14 points-ish a game. And then Marlon Mack becomes a, a, an RB1, RB2 um, for his team. And then that doesn't mean that he's going to be scoring a ton as fantasy relevancy. But if he's scoring around that 12 to 15 point range consistently because of how he's utilizing these offenses. That team is ridiculously dangerous uh, because of just Michael Thomas, DeAndre Hopkins, and Adam Thielen right there. You have yeah. a ton of targets um, and a ton of, of yards going to those guys. And, white, and the running backs on his team will produce enough to kind of get by. Yeah, I pulled the numbers for, this, for these three guys last season. Michael Thomas had 374 PPR points. DeAndre Hopkins had 268, and oh no, he had yeah 268, and then Adam Thielen last year had 114, but that was also because he pulled his hamstring and was out yeah. for 75 percent of the season. But if you look at his average, he's been averaging about 250 to 260 points per season. So those three together would pull in 904 points just from your top three picks alone. That's more than yeah. some people score their entire team for the whole season. <laughs> yeah. Yes. <laughs> that is a ridiculous amount of points. And the, the pieces with, even with Adam Thielen kind of looking at him, 
last year was the first year he was actually injured. He's been mm-hmm. ridiculously safe starter. So and anyway, he was and he was the number two guy last year. Yeah, true. Now he's number one. He gets a ton more volume potential uh, right. for him now being the guy that's that's sitting there. Another example, real quick, just to kind of touch on a an RB zero strategy. This is one that doesn't look like RB zero, but honestly is RB zero. And this is the guy that drafted from the seven spot. He drafted Derrick Henry with his number one, um, his first round pick. Uh, but then he went Chris Godwin, Odell Beckham Jr., Cooper Cup, and Tyler Lockett. And so while that's technically you're not just purely going wide receiver, he got a top tier running back, but then slammed wide receiver right after that and absolutely has a god tier of receivers mm-hmm. after the fact right there in that point. So that yeah, was I mean, also um, imagine a world where Tyler Lockett and or Cooper Cup are just riding the bench because you don't have room for them on your lineup. I mean, yeah. <laughs> talk about a good problem to have. And yes. if you look down at his others, uh, Cam Akers is going to be running back two. Then he has Philip Lindsay, Zach Moss, and Keyshawn Vaughn. Um, Philip Lindsay obviously splitting duties with um, Gordon this year in Denver, but still going to be good coming out of the backfield. We're, we're not exactly sure what his role is going to be quite yet, but we can assume he's, he's definitely not going to be the number one guy anymore, but still going to be fantasy relevant. And when you're gra- grabbing a guy in the eighth round, like he did here, you're really just looking for, you know, someone to hold you over on a bye week or if there's an injury for a little bit. And Philip Lindsay will hopefully be putting up about 10 to 12 points a game, maybe. If we're mm-hmm. if if you're lucky somewhere in that range, um, and then Zach Moss I think is a great pick in the ninth round yeah. to, to back up yeah. these two guys. He's not the number one guy in Buffalo, but they're using him a lot out of the backfield so far in camp, and that's kind of looking like that's going to be his primary role is to come yeah. in and just hawk and snipe every reception humanly possible out of that backfield. One, one interesting piece, honestly, I'm just going to touch on this kind of diverting our uh, topic a little bit from overall draft strategy, but I'm just going to hit on one reason I love Zach Moss real quick. Um, so last year, uh, Frank Gore faced the most amount of stacked boxes in the entire NFL over the season. And, that, and uh, uh, Frank Gore was one of the running backs along with Devin Singletary um, for Buffalo. On the opposite side, um, <laughs> Uh, Devin Singletary faced the least amount of stacked boxes in Buffalo in, in the entire NFL last year um, in Buffalo because they knew that whenever Devin Singletary was on the field, the other the opposite defense realized that it was going to be a passing down, and then they realized whenever uh, Frank Gore was on the field, the opposite defense realized that it was going to be a running down. So um, bringing in Zach Moss, who has the ability to both catch and run should open up that backfield a lot more for him and also for Devin Singletary a little bit. But Zach Moss, I think, is an awesome, awesome pick. I think he's a more versatile back than Devin Singletary, and I wouldn't be surprised if he actually ended up taking over number one duties uh, by the end of the season. Both Devin Singletary and Zach Moss are second-round picks. Anyway, that's just my my side note thing. I'm in love with Zach Moss this year, so don't take him, Andrew, please. I I would appreciate it. Well, uh... You and I are going to have to have like a battle of the wits in our redraft league to see who, 
who waits the long, who waits the longest and who just pulls the trigger too early just to <laughs> upset the other one. I know. Oh my gosh, it's gonna be uh, it's gonna be interesting. Andrew and I both love a lot of the same players, so it's gonna be it's gonna be very interesting to watch us sniping each other as we take out the other guys. Neither the guys pick or who's who's willing to break first to jump a little bit to grab somebody that we both like. So we're we're also not above grabbing somebody just to piss the other person off too. Like I would. I would happily take Zach Moss in like I don't know the seventh round, eighth oh, round. Oh, you just, make me so mad. Oh, you just, make me so mad. Just to get that reaction right there. You know it would happen too. And the greatest part is that our our redraft league will be doing one via Zoom, so we can see everybody's reaction, which will be fun. But anyway, we digress. So kind of jumping onto our last our last draft strategy that we wanted to talk about, which was taking a quarterback early. Um, this is one that I don't like really at all. <laughs> That's just going to be my opinion on it. Um, and I, what I say by taking quarterback early is taking one of those top tier guys in the second round. So that would be taking this next season, Patrick Mahomes or, or Lamar Jackson in that second round right there. And those guys undeniably are studs and undeniably are two of the best uh, quarterbacks in the entire league. And those two guys are undeniably going to put up a stupid amount of points this season. But, but the amount of points that they're putting up and who you are foregoing to take these guys, I don't think is a value with who you can grab on later. So guys that I would want later um, would be Russell Wilson, Dak Prescott, Deshaun Watson, Kyler Murray. Those guys are going to put up not exact same numbers, but it isn't going to be a ridiculous margin between what Patrick Mahomes, Lamar Jackson put up versus Russell Wilson, Sean Watson, and especially Dak Prescott, who's one of my favorite players this year, are going to put up. So you would be foregoing a really top-tier uh, running back or a very top-tier wide receiver in order to take a quarterback uh, when the talent and the point margin is not going to be that different from somebody you can take in the fifth, sixth, seventh round, or even honestly in the ninth, tenth, eleventh round as well. Yeah, here's here's a way to to look at it. Lamar Jackson scored almost exactly 100 points more than Deshaun Watson last year in fantasy. That averages out to a little over six points per game more than Watson. So the question you have to ask yourself is, would you rather have those extra six points per game and be missing out on a DeAndre Hopkins, a Mike Evans, James Conner, Gurley, Chris Carson, somebody – up there or you know maybe even a kill or kelsey depending on where you are or would you rather wait the six rounds and then just pick up a deshaun watson russell wilson or dak and Mm -hmm. call it good you're getting i think you and i are in agreement on this one if if the qbs fell to maybe the third round i would consider it yeah um i would I, I don't think I would take him in the third round either, but that's just because I have the first pick in the third round. So for me, there'd be essentially no difference taking him in the second over the third. But I, th- I just think the value is so much better if you wait until the mid rounds, you know, the, the six through nine rounds. And if you miss out on like, you know, Russell Wilson or Dak, um, Kyler Murley, Deshaun would be like that next tier. I guess that would be going like round six. Then, you know, don't panic. You still have Drew Brees, 
uh, Carson Wentz, Matthew Stafford, Josh Allen, Aaron Rodgers, like people that are going to put up good numbers that are, you know, going to be solid. And you can get those guys two to three rounds later than you can get the Deshaun, Dak, Russell tier guy. So you have several tiers of QBs that each time you wait a tier, you might not be getting a little – you might not be getting as many points, but you're getting a better value for those points. Yes, exactly. You're able to spread out your points a little bit more on other positions and hopefully get yourself some better depth at those other positions um, instead of putting so much money into an asset that you can get a honestly very comparable asset later on. And then, I mean, if we were talking about last season with Lamar Jackson, Lamar Jackson had – and I don't know if this is true – but I think, I think this is a true stat, so you can correct me, Andrew. I think he had the best season out of any quarterback since Pete Manning's 2013 55-touchdown season. Um, well, a 56 count as one rushing touchdown. But um, <laughs> he, uh, he threw for six touchdowns and ran, ran seven touchdowns last year. But what made him so incredible was that – oh, no, sorry. He, he threw for 36, 36 touchdowns. I was like, uh, how many touchdowns? Yeah. <laughs> But 36. The, the amount of points, the fantasy points that Lamar Jackson got last year, they were a historic high. One, right. of, the, one of the highest scores for a quarterback ever. Um, and again, that was only six points over what Deshaun Watson in the sixth round, the last pick in the sixth round would have gotten you. There. Right. So yeah. a historic high, a historic high, one that's been rarely touched, was only six points more than somebody that had a very average not average, but a very, yeah, very good uh, football season um, in the sixth round. So um, you can't bank on that from Lamar Jackson every single year. It's not, again, saying he's not going to be good, but if he shrinks that margin down to only three points more than what Deshaun Watson is scoring, eh, I would rather wait and get somebody in that kind of that, in that round, in that middle-ish round, after I short up my other positions um, a lot more. So not investing so much into him, but spreading that talent getting better depth across my, my roster. That's how and I would look. Even, even crazier is that Deshaun Watson actually finished higher than Patrick Mahomes last year in terms of yes. fantasy points. Yeah. Mahomes was like the number eight quarterback, I think, in PPR. In, 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 I guess it doesn't matter that much for quarterbacks. Yeah. But, uh, and then Deshaun Watson was number five. So mm-hmm. you could get the number five quarterback in the sixth round or you can get the eighth quarterback in the seventh round or in the second mm-hmm. round. It's a, it seems like a pretty clear choice. Yeah. But I would agree. Since we're talking mid rounds, let's briefly go over what the strategy is for each of these um, positions, balanced RB heavy, RB zero, QB heavy. What are you looking for in that like five to 10 range? Really? So if you're taking that balance approach to the balance approach, which was the first one we talked about, which is taking a running back, tight end, wide receiver, possible quarterback, kind of in your first five, six rounds. Um, Once you get to, you know, probably around that sixth round, it's really looking at, okay, what have I taken already? And usually um, if you've only taken one running back instead of two in that first several, you should be trying to immediately make sure that your running backs are short up because after the fifth round, there is a huge drop off from the quality of running backs, really. At that point, you're kind of looking at guys that might be on the field for maybe a quarter of the snaps, 
um, at that point, or guys that have to, they have to have somebody in front of them get injured in order to really be an honest um, starting running back uh, for your team. So um, at that point, really, if you're taking the balance approach again, it's immediately making sure that you have two uh, running backs you're comfortable with. If you already have those two, then it's just trying to hit on wide receivers um, to have some upside on your team. So, and it's not guys that are uh, what I would call safe, which you're like, oh yeah, I know he's going to score 11 to 13 points. I'm looking in that range at guys of who could be a potential starting uh, wide receiver that becomes a number one on their team. So if we're to take Andrew's um, team that he drafted in this, um, in this draft here, for example, he took CeeDee Lamb and Christian Kirk in the kind of those middle rounds there. And I really, really like those guys because CeeDee Lamb is on a Dallas offense. It's going to score a ton of points. And Christian Kirk is on that air quotes, air raid offense down in Arizona. So those are two guys that you're really wanting in there. And he also took another tight end in there um, as well. And uh, another running back too. So he has two good starting running backs. He had made sure he has good wide receivers. He has a good quarterback. His team is just very balanced all the way through. So it's just also in that balance approach, just making sure again that you're balanced as you kind of go through. What would you think there, Andrew? Yeah, the approach that I took in this particular um, mock because I went <clears throat> RB tight end, wide receiver, wide receiver. Um, at that point, I, what was in my mind when I hit round six was I need to fill out the rest of my starters. I have four of my starters. I have my you know starting running back, my starting tight end, my wide receiver one and two. Now I need to get the rest of the guys on my squad. I need to at least build out a solid starting roster for week one. Um, so that's why I went Raheem Mostert as my RB2, Deshaun Watson, James White, and C.D. Lamb were both kind of like, I need a little bit of depth at both of these positions because I already have starters. And one of these guys could very easily end up in my um, flex position. So I wanted someone that could fit that flex spot, but also was going to provide depth um, for, my, for my other positions, which is why I went with those two. Next, I went Hunter Henry, which is probably the weirdest choice in here, and I'm sure Adam was probably rolling his eyes a little bit when he saw it. But the reason was not because I necessarily wanted Hunter Henry. I mean, I did somewhat. But I don't really need him because George Kittle is my starter. So he's, pretty, he's like a set and forget kind of guy. But I don't know if you noticed this last year, but tight ends were dropping like freaking flies every yeah. week. I, and I was one of the teams that was just plagued by tight end issues last year. Like I probably, if we went through and looked at my ad drop over the season, I probably added and dropped like 20 plus tight ends. So either Hunter Henry just rides the pine and can fill in and Kittle's by, or I have a potential flex starter in LA who is also good trade capital when another tight end goes down. Exactly. Is there one more piece I'd like to point out then too is also uh, Hunter Henry has a has a rookie quarterback, but the good positive piece of that is that if you look back over the trend, rookie running uh, rookie quarterbacks tend to favor their tight end a lot in some of those over the middle routes. So Hunter Henry does have actually pretty good potential to be one of those top targets in Los Angeles, and so that's going to be one piece I throw. I actually do like him. I don't hate him as much as you think I would. And I pretend I hate him. So you won't take him. 
He was uh, he was the down. number nine tight end in PPR last year. Yeah, number nine. And he was injured I got, for the first part of the season, wasn't he? Yeah, so I got the number nine tight end in the ninth round for peanuts, basically. And now I have trade capital because I can say, hey, you need a tight end, Adam. I have the number nine tight end from last year who's maybe not blowing away like, you know, George Kittle and Kelsey, but putting up respectable numbers, especially because some of the guys who are drafted ahead of them have a history of injuries. You're like Zach Ertz, Gronkowski has been out of the game for a year struggling in the Florida heat. He's in Florida, which is just a crap hole anyway. Like, who knows how that's <laughs> going to go. Somebody drafted him yeah. two, two rounds ahead of Hunter Henry. So there's a lot of potential there to dump Henry if I need later. And if not, he could be a potential flex because he was putting up some really good numbers last year. Mm-hmm. Okay, so moving on. That was the balanced RB heavy. Because you went RB heavy – um, like our, our friend here in the number four, four spot who went uh, Kamara, Eckler, Carson, Ingram. Oh, man. The, uh, the auto draft was not kind to our friend here in the later rounds. Oh, but round five, he grabbed DK Metcalf. And round six, he grabbed Stefan Diggs. Both were good. Um, auto draft had, had him take four running backs in a row, which is fine, but you're really starting to limit your options in wide receiver if you yeah. do that. I would have maybe gone three running backs, and then instead of drafting Mark Ingram, I would have grabbed like a Cooper Cup or yeah. A.J. Brown, someone in that level, and, yeah. then, and then D.K. Metcalf on a swing around. Um, but there, yeah. you're, you're just looking to grab the rest of your team, right? You have three to four running backs, so you obviously need to get the best wide receivers available. You need mm-hmm. to grab a, a tight end pretty soon. So tight end is going to be round seven or eight, and then you're looking at quarterback round eight or nine. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I would agree with that. Um, yeah, and really, if you're going to go running back heavy, yeah, I would lean towards more of the first three. Yeah, again, three out of your first four picks would be running back, and I would probably, again, only do three of those instead of all four being just running back because then you're tying so much up and guys that you're not even going to start every single week. Um, but then, yeah, from rounds five through probably 12 for me, and that's, uh, I think, eight rounds in there, um, I would take at least probably six running backs in those – I'm sorry, six uh, wide receivers in those next eight rounds just to make sure that I hit on some guys in there that do end up becoming uh, number one receiver on their team. And those other two picks out of that, if you're looking at eight rounds, six wide receivers, one quarterback, one tight end. Yes. Like yep. You want to at least have your, your team, your starters filled before you hit the last couple rounds. Exactly, yeah. And yeah, and don't be taking running backs in that middle. If you already have three or four um, good running backs, you don't have any need whatsoever for running back um, on your team. So that shouldn't be something that um, – you, if you already have those guys, don't be targeting them at all for the rest of the draft. If you already have good guys, unless you're taking kind of a flyer in your last couple. So, um, and then going towards the wide, the RB zero. So taking three, at least three non running backs, um, typically wide receivers or maybe a tight end with your first four picks. Um, yeah, once you get past that, um, that initial four picks, you need to be grabbing running backs 
immediately like crazy, before. Yeah. yeah, like crazy. Um, again, to try to get somebody that has that either could become your number one or will get a couple points in there because after that point, um, after really round six, seven, there's not many options of guys that are really going to be giving you more than eight points a game probably at that point consistently yeah. unless he, there's an injury. So. Yeah, absolutely. And here the auto draft was not kind again in the middle rounds. Um, so our friend at the number six slot went Michael Thomas, DeAndre Hopkins, Adam Thielen. Great start. You're looking at an absurd 904 points just out of those three guys. And then the receiver – or the uh, running back, excuse me, the running back in round four was Devin Singletary, a fine choice in the fourth round to be your running back one, who um, – he was only the 32nd wide receiver uh, running back in PPR last year. But as Adam said, they kind of addressed that issue a little bit. Um, they added some speed downfield to help stretch the defense a little bit in getting Stefan Diggs. And they um, brought in another running back who is going to help balance things out a little bit. So he, his number should go up quite a bit this year. And then in round five, they made – round five and six, they made a really odd choice and drafted two more wide receivers, DJ Chark and Devontae Parker, which – I get it. I mean, you, you're looking for depth, right? But depth doesn't do you much good, much good when you don't have an RB2 yet. So instead of DJ Chark, I would have grabbed like Ronald Jones, DeAndre Swift, or Raheem Mostert, someone in that, that tier of people. And then I would have grabbed another running back like Marlon Mack, like they did in seven. So if you're going to do this, you're really looking at three wide receivers, three running backs, and then you're looking to get like your quarterback and tight end in round eight and nine, I think is the best approach. And then after that, you can start filling in more uh, of your depth wide receivers and running backs uh, mm -hmm. later on. Yeah. And then kind of going on to that last strategy is taking a running a quarterback in your first or second round. Do not, again, do not take a quarterback in the first round of your draft. Um, and again, I would very strongly hesitate to take one in the second round. Um, I would never do it. But um, again, after you've gotten your quarterback there in that second round, um, you're going to have to be trying to take a balanced approach, honestly, past that is to see who's the best running back, who's the best wide receiver available past that. So uh, that quarterback in the second round fits more into a balanced approach again, because you're going in your first round, you're taking that number one guy, whoever's ranked um, highest there that's available at your pick and then if you take a quarterback in the second round okay that position's filled so now past that position you're trying to go um, running back or wide receiver or tight end possibly if one of those top guys um, comes down to try to get another top guy in that um, in that area of your team so that's how I would approach that there's not a specific running back running back wide receiver wide receiver that I would go but no I, I completely agree and the two, the two examples in this mock draft that we're looking at, the three spot went Elliott, Lamar Jackson, Todd Gurley, Mark Andrews, Terry McLaurin, J.K. Dobbins, and Julian Edelman. Personally, I would not have grabbed Andrews right there. Yeah, um, pretty early for Andrews. <laughs> I mean, I don't, I don't necessarily hate Andrews in the fourth round, depending on how your first three went. Um, but I don't think it's good if you grabbed a quarterback just because – you're going to need the points from your receivers. And 
this guy didn't take a receiver until the fifth round in Terry McLaurin, who's good, but he's probably not the guy you want to put in your RB or your wide receiver one slot. The other example I think is a much better one. It went Dalvin Cook, Mahomes, Kenny Galladay, David Montgomery, Keenan Allen, Marquise Brown, Brandon Cooks, Latavius Murray, and Carrion Johnson. So he got his stud running back, stud quarterback, very respectable wide receiver one in Galladay, wide receiver two in David Montgomery, or uh, running back two, excuse me, in David Montgomery and Keenan Allen as a wide receiver two. And then he didn't grab a tight end until Jared Cook in the 10th round. So I think if you're going to do this, that's the way to do it. Don't waste your fourth round pick on a tight end or something like that because you have to get your big point getters, your running backs and your your wide receivers down because you burn your draft capital in in a quarterback, which if you haven't ranked that high, it's fine. Just don't shoot yourself in the foot more by drafting somebody that's not going to get you a lot of points. Yeah, absolutely. Well, I think that kind of covers it for our draft strategies, especially in the beginning and in the middle, um, what you're looking at for the different types. So your, your balanced approach, your uh, running back heavy approach, your RB0 approach, um, or your second round quarterback, I guess we'll call it, second round quarterback slash balanced approach. Um, I mean, from us, we would probably, again, recommend a balanced or more like a balanced slash, I don't know, I would say a balanced approach is probably your best or a running back kind of heavy balanced. <laughs> I like I like kind of in that range right there. That's where I would probably lean as we go in a draft. How about you, Andrew? Yeah, for me, it really, really depends on where I am and how the draft goes. If I'm in the sixth spot and Michael Thomas is still available, then – RB zero looks way more attractive than it did if I if Michael Thomas had already been taken and I'm looking at Dalvin Cook mm-hmm. or Derrick Henry. So I think that it really just depends, but I like balanced overall. Yeah, I can agree with that. So, um, well, I think that does it for us today. I appreciate you guys listening to us. If you have any thoughts or uh, strategy that you like. Um, or you thought that we were wrong in any of our takes, uh, please leave us a comment or send us a message. So, but thank you for listening today. Yep. See ya. See ya.